Riverside. Welcome to Dance Talk with Joanne Carey, where the dance world connects, the conversations inspire, and where we are keeping them real. I'm your host, Joanne Carey, and today I'm joined with Kara Tabelbaum. She is an author, a dancer, a choreographer, a, a coach, a life coach, a mom. She's just about everything. And I'm going to talk to her today about all those things, but especially her book, Putting My Heels Down, a memoir of having a dream and a day job. Some of you might have already read this. If you haven't, I highly recommend it. It's a great book. And I believe it's coming upon and or already has had its year and a half anniversary. So Kara, congratulations on the year and a half anniversary of your book and welcome to Dance Talk. Thank you. Thank you so much, Joanne, for having me today. I am such a big fan of your podcast and I am so thrilled to be here um, with my book, it's really a dream come true. So thank you so much. Absolutely, thank you, and you know, um, thank you for for really you know shouting out my my podcast. And I'm glad you're enjoying it. You know, the, the conversations like yours that that I'm going to have, they really are so wonderful. And there's so many people out there, so many dancers, so many artists who need to be heard, and who I want to give that platform to because we can learn from everybody. And that's what I love about having these conversations. So I'm so delighted to have you as a guest. So let's get started. Um, so why don't you bring me back and all the listeners back to when you were a little girl and you began dancing and what that dream was, what it looked like and, and where you are today. So I started a ballet class, just like most three-year-old girls start ballet class because their moms put their in, them in there, their friends are in there. So from my first ballet class, I was absolutely hooked. I learned pretty quickly that my body was not exactly made for being a ballerina, but that didn't take away any of the joy and my fervor for wanting to be a ballerina. Uh, so I chased that ballerina dream for quite a long time until... Um, probably junior high school, a little before then actually, where I was told that I didn't have the body to be a ballet dancer and I should explore modern dance. And through exploring modern dance, I was introduced to choreography. And that was what really changed my dream again, because I wanted to be a modern dancer and I wanted to be a choreographer. And that dream stayed with me and it's still with me. Um, and I chased that dream to New York City where I went to school and continued to study and then for my own dance company, um, at 21 years old. Uh, but, you know, that's amazing because, uh, you know, when, when you talk about all that you have done and when you read it in your book, the trajectory of your career, you know, you start off like so many children do, you know, they're in that young dance class and they might be in it because either their parents put them in it just as an activity although we as dance teachers want them to be in it because we want them to be in it, you know, but you know, um, you got hooked, you got hooked on, on dance. And I, I love that because I'm such a proponent about the benefits of dance and what dance really provides. And it goes beyond just, you know, having a dance career, but we can get into that later, you know, and I, I want to talk about, um, you, you know, you, you speak about specifically in the book and you talk about it in your title. Your title is Putting My Heels Down. And I found it, I have to tell everybody, you know, and I had messaged you 
throughout reading your book, you know, there were times where I was like cheering you on and then I would cry or then I'd be like, yay. And then I would be like, oh my gosh, because you wrote it in such a way, it was so true and honest and you can... You can, if you're a dancer, you really can feel that and and understand what you went through. I think I think the way you wrote it and approached it was so honest, um, and I really commend you for that and thank you for that because I could see there was parts of it I could see myself in in my own journey. Um, but I want to talk about you know the limitation that you had and you found out early on because uh, I think it's important um, for people to know that just because you have a limitation, whether we're going to call it a limitation, a problem, an injury, a disability, a handicap, whatever, whatever title we're going to put that under, it doesn't have to put you in a box and keep you there. And that's what I love about your story is that you didn't let it put you in a box. It almost was your driving force forward. Can you talk about that? Um, thank you for saying that. I, I, I really appreciate that. And I think that before I even answer the question, I just going back to what you said before, most dance memoirs are written by famous dancers and famous choreographers. So as we're reading their story, we know where they ended up, right? So for my memoir, I think that people can relate to it because no one knows who I am. I'm not famous. I did not, you know, yet. Um, And I didn't land there. So I think that it really makes me feel so wonderful that dancers can relate to my story because it's not you know, we don't all end up, mm-hmm. you know, famous ballerinas, famous dancers, choreographers. Um, so as far as our limitations, you know, that doesn't have to be a limitation because just because we aren't famous doesn't mean that our voice doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And another way of, you know, kind of stepping out of that box mm-hmm. and, you know, with dance, it's codified in a specific way so that seemingly and and also for real reasons mm-hmm. only some of us can do certain things mm-hmm. and i think it's important that we keep exploring other ways to move because if you love to move mm-hmm. that's the number one yeah if you love to express yourself so then finding out how are you going to express yourself mm-hmm. you know for me as a choreographer i made myself tons of solo work so that only i could do it yeah. It was made for me by me. Yeah. Um, and that was a way of stepping out of, of the box. Yeah, which is great. And and can you can you tell everybody what you were told early on about your heels and what you were experiencing? Because that's a very real thing and can cause a lot of damage. And I think it, it contributed to some of the injuries you had later on in your career, if I'm not mistaken, if I remember correctly from your book. Yeah. So I knew just from the beginning and I write about it in my book that, you know, from my first dance classes, when you put your legs out in front of you sitting on the floor and you reach for your toes, everyone else could touch their toes with ease and joy. And I was feeling pain, which I now understand were my hamstrings and my calves, you know, screaming out in pain. And and I thought that that was what other kids were feeling and they were just handling it maybe better than me. I didn't realize that not everybody was feeling this pain. And it wasn't until my later teens that I realized that pain was not normal. So I hid that pain and I swallowed that pain and I fought through it. Uh, My teachers could see um, because it was very clear. I had very little demi plie. My Achilles tendon is very short. I have knobby knees. My hamstrings are tight. Um, I never could do a split. I could not, I just, it wasn't, my body was not made for, you know, high extensions and, and, uh, you know, buoyant grand plies. Um, so they knew from the beginning and, and told me, and I used that as fuel to go forward. 
And that anger that you're not going to say, I can't do it. I'm going to do it anyway. And that fueled me until as I went through my journey in the book, it wasn't enough to keep my drive going. Yeah. And I, you know, and I, and I really like that. And and I also, you know, I want to point that out too, because for the teachers listening or for the parents listening or the students listening, you know, if, if your teacher is telling you something or they see something or they're, they're saying it in a way that you're not quite understanding or you're taking offense to it, take a moment, take a moment and try to really find find what they are actually saying if it's not clear or talk to them or for the teachers to you know say it clearly to a student because sometimes you know a teacher a teacher or somebody in your life can have the power to destroy a dream and and it's good to dream and I and I say that because I've had so many students come through my own classrooms where I could see they had the dream and I wanted to to fuel that dream in a really honest way for them, you know, and I think, I think that takes a lot to, um, to offer to children and dance students. And I think we're moving in that direction because like you said, obviously, you know, there are people who are born to be prima ballerinas. That is who they, you know, God put them on this earth to be right. And that's who they are going to be and serve their time on earth doing and giving to the community. And there's others who aren't. And I think when you come to peace with that and find your path, uh, I think that can open so many doors. Can, can you talk about that? Yeah, I think that, you know, and as a teacher now, I'm very aware of the language that I use and, and I continue to evolve with that. And I think that dance education and dance teaching has changed tremendously in the past, you know, 35 years since I started, you know, my own training. I think that was generous to myself, might be longer than that. Um, (laughs) um, But that really, we all are dancers and in the dance world because of the joy that it brings us. And I think when we become dance teachers that use language that could be hurtful, we need to take a step back as teachers and understand where that's coming from and what, you know, what have we not dealt with? And of course, as a coach, that's something that I'm, that I'm aware of. Um, And in coaching other, other dancers that were, you know, we're not blindly encouraging. um, So everyone gets, you know, the greatest award for being the greatest ballerina when that may not be the case, but how to appropriately talk to each other Mm -hmm. um, as teachers. And as you were saying, as students to ask our teachers, you know, I, I listened to whatever my teacher said, I lapped it up and, you know, and criticism was a compliment. And they always told us that criticism is a compliment. So I thought they really loved me. I must be a star because they're being so nasty and mean to me. I must really have something. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, so, and and I love that, that you go, you go down that road and explain that. And um, I love too, that you talk about, you know, how supportive and encouraging your parents were, you know, there's so many guests I have on who either during the podcast or after when we're talking, you know, they, they always give a shout out to their parents, like their parents supported their dream, you know, and, and again, I give a shout out to those parents, you know, my parents supported my dream, you know, they, and I, and I love how, you know, you, you talk about it, tell everybody what that was like when you were traveling from your hometown into New York city, I believe it was with your dad. Um, you know, talk about that time and how special and bonding that was and what that was like for you and how that developed you not only as a person, but, but a dancer. 
Yeah. I mean, my parents are amazing. They completely supported my dancing. Uh, my dad had dreams of wanting to be a piano player. My mom had dreams of being an actress. So I think they really loved um, seeing me perform and they loved my love and they exposed me to tons of dance, to tons of music. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as you were saying, my dad and, and my mom, both, they would come into Manhattan with me to take classes at the Alvin Ailey school. We would go every Friday and they would come with me and they were very, very supportive. Now they also were very strict and conservative in how they were bringing me up. So it was very much in line with, you know, these dance teachers. So the oh, discipline, the structure, it was very, they were very much in line with. Yeah. Which I think is great because you have to be disciplined in order to be a dancer and to have a career in dance and, and then also to be a freelancer like you are and to be your own boss, essentially, you have to have that discipline. And I think that's one of the great, you know, it sounds so cliche, but it's so true. You know, we have cliches for a reason, right? You know, because it gives us that discipline, you know, it gives us the discipline and the drive to to be able to do a lot of things at, at one time, you know, because it's like going on and off stage with your entrances and exits and changing costume here, or two seconds here, you know, you know, you have a certain amount of time to do something. And I think that that is such a great skill that dance gives us, you know, and, and, and it, something just popped to mind with that. Did that help you writing the book? Yeah. How did that help you writing the book? That that wasn't one of my questions, but gosh, how did that help you? Yeah, that totally helped me. I actually wrote a piece on that for um, Gravity Blog, which is a literary magazine, which I was like very, you know, excited to be included in. Um, it was called Ballet Bar, From Ballet Bar to Memoir. Oh. And it was just about the discipline that you have naturally as a dancer mm-hmm. and how that, how that, um, how that drives you as a writer and just that discipline where, you know, it's funny to me being in the writing world, because in the dance world, you know, especially as a choreographer, you pay for space, you pay your dancers and you may have no idea what you're going to do that day, but it doesn't matter. You have to do something, right? So we're used to working in that way, that sense of immediacy, time, space, money. Now writers can write anywhere, anytime, and there's no limitations on that. Yeah. And I think because of that, I have to say, it, it seems to me it takes them, their process is sometimes sort of languishes. Mm-hmm. And for me, I set aside every day. I woke up at five in the morning. I sat at my desk. I drank my tea and I wrote. And then I went and trained my Pilates client. And then I went to ballet class. Wow. And it was it was a very natural and pleasurable. I enjoyed yeah. it. It wasn't, you know, to other writers, that sounds torturous. Yeah. Yeah. But that expectation of, you know, when we go to the bar, we go to ballet class, we put that hand on that bar, we start plies. Yes. My alarm went off. I sat on that chair and I started to write. Yeah. See that, that, I, I love that imagery too. And I, and I just, it makes me just think of my own schedule and how I know that if I, if I don't take ballet class, you know, if I don't go into ballet class, I, I feel off. You know, like I really feel off and it's just so, so much a part of who I am that, um, yeah, it, it it's like that, that sister, I feel better. Even if I I go and feel, you know how it is, your, your, your body's different every day and you could wake up and be like, Oh gosh, I don't feel like, you know, for me, I have to drive, you know, I have to drive to where I'm going and I might be like in the traffic or this, that, and the other thing. But once I get there, I'm like, oh, everything just goes away for that hour and a half. And it just, it kind of like jump starts who I am, 
you know? And, and so I think, um, for, for those listening, that's just a part of, of who we are. And I also want to ask you about, um, cause I know for me and I, I attribute it to dance. Um, I'm not sure if it really is that, but, but I, I think that for me, I can be in silence a lot cause I, I, I don't know if you feel that way, you know, like I love you listening to music, you know, you're creating music, you're doing choreography, but I think as a dancer, you know, you're waiting or you're waiting for an exercise to be given to you or you are listening to something or cre- I can just be still, even though mm-hmm. dance is such a movement, you know, it's like we're constantly moving. Do you find that too? I, you know, I've never asked anybody that before. Yeah, I think in that stillness, when we allow ourselves that stillness, I think our sort of authentic self just Mm -hmm. arrives, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think that whether that's when we're warming up our bodies and we're just quiet with our bodies and listening or with me and and the writing process, just letting myself sit there and just, you know, I probably 98% of what I was doing during that time didn't even end up in the book and it doesn't matter. (laughs) You know, it's just, I think you're right. Having that silent, simple, still, moment. Yeah. And those are powerful. You know, we tell our dancers, we tell the people we're working with, we tell the children we're teaching, there's so much power in that moment. You could be put on stage and that moment you're just standing there can be such a powerful moment. So don't go through them too quickly. You know, you mm-hmm. want to fill that moment out. Um, tell me how, how you were brought to writing this book how did you did you just say I know you talk about it in the book but everybody listening might not have read it so tell everybody how you were like I'm gonna write this book (laughs) I started right where I started the book and where the book ended up are very different places um so I started writing in the little margins of my appointment book um I was writing about my Pilates clients and I was writing about all the antics and all the funny stories and all the ridiculousness of being in these you know expensive luxury apartments and how I was getting treated and all these secrets of the gym. And again, for me, it came from a place of anger and frustration. Mm -hmm. Um, And some of it was just so ridiculously funny. And it was about the times that uh, Nanny Diaries had come out. Oh, okay. I thought, oh, I'm going to write this Pilates diary. And Mm -hmm. that is what's going to give me the money to then just be with my dance company full time. Like, I thought it was going to be this like... (laughs) Exposing. Yeah. Well, you know, it is funny because you do, I, I would laugh I, because I, uh, you know, it's humorous. There's a lot of humor in your book, which I love. There's a lot of, a lot of humor, which I think is great because if we can't laugh, right, we have to be able to laugh. Everything doesn't have to be so dead serious all the time. Um, you know, but, but you do talk about freely and openly without <laughs> naming anyone, your, your experience, um, as a Pilates instructor, as a personal one, you know, one-on-one Pilates instructor as, as instructors in class. And, and I found that fast when I was reading it, I would be like, Oh, you know, like, uh Oh, you know, but it was funny because at the same time, you know, there would be moments I'd be like, oh, gosh, I wonder if I do that. You know, like I would be like, oh, it's funny. It's it is funny. But we we I think you you also put out there behavior that we don't realize at times we have. Right. We don't realize that person that we are are 
having a service from, whatever that is, you know, we have to respect what they're doing. Because you talk about times when your time wasn't respected, your space wasn't respected. And I, I think it was a, it's a, it's a, it's a nice uh, call out, you know, you're really calling out people on how they're treating just other people as individuals, which I think was pretty powerful too. I thought that was really brave on your part. I don't know if you felt brave about it, but I was like, I, I was like, wow, I don't know if I could do that, but I was pretty impressed with that, you know, that, that you wrote that out like that. Um, let's talk about your um, Pilates background and how you got into that because, and I, I bring that up because when I was reading your book, I think we're probably around the same time frame in New York City. And I know when I was dancing in New York City, Pilates was kind of just coming into being a workout thing because I know and I'm going to sound like a little snooty about this and I apologize to anybody but it was like as a dancer I was like why are they taking Pilates <laughs> and, and I and forgive me people who are listening because now it's such a thing and it is good I mean it's so wonderful for you but I really thought that's such a dancer thing I thought I didn't want it to become watered down and lose its respect that it deserves because I think that can happen so often. Can you talk about your foray into the into the Pilates world and, and what you're doing with that now? Sure. So I was introduced to Pilates um, at Jacob's Pillow mm -hmm. um, as a student. And um, and I actually think that Amy Marshall, the, who is now was in the Paul Taylor and uh, has her own dance company, I, I believe she was my first teacher. Um, but when I went to Tish, we had Kathy Grant, who's one of the Pilates elders, mm -hmm. uh, was very important. And, you know, I really did not enjoy it. It, it did not necessarily work for my body. I, I, it was, we had 8.30 in the morning classes that many of us would just, you know, skip, to be honest. And it didn't do anything for me at the time. Mm -hmm. um, and then when I graduated and I had a friend ask me to sub her classes that she was teaching, it was during the time where Pilates was losing its trademark. Oh, okay. so my Pilates career would have been a lot different if that trademark, if they had held on to it. I mean, I was, did do a certification. Um, so I, I was, you know, officially a Pilates instructor, but it was about to open up where really anyone could teach Pilates. Yeah. Which is, which is now what's happening and, and all over. It's like those, it goes in fads, like the workout fads, you know, but it is a great practice. I mean, it really, yeah, it absolutely is like, you know, my not love of teaching it and I do still teach it, mm -hmm. you know, too. And I think that's like, you know, kind of my, my thing where I attract people to me that don't take it as seriously and, you know, but still want a pure Pilates, you know, yeah. work it, routine yeah. and workout. Um, but yeah, I think it's a, it's excellent. It's excellent. I don't mean to disparage it in any way. Neither. I, I, and again, I say that, and I really hope I, I haven't done that while I'm saying, while I'm hearing myself talk about it. It's just interesting the the trajectory of it, you know, and all like like ballet bar um, or not ballet bar. I don't even know what it's called, but like the bar method, all the different exercise methods, and I bring them up because they've come out of dance. Like that's the thing, how great dance is, these exercise programs have come out of or were around and started to enhance dance. And, you know, that was so much of my young arrogance mm -hmm. where I was teaching for a gym that loved, they called their type of um, fitness classes, entertainment fitness. Oh, so your job was to be entertaining. 
And that was what mattered most. And so that's why, you know, I write even the first chapter of a book, like, do people even know who I am? I'm a New York Times reviewed Pilates certified, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it would frustrate me so much. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to, uh, there, there's a, there's something, there's a couple quotes I took out of your book um, that I wanted to um, talk about. And this one says, uh, why do I always feel so different from the rest? Why am I always left out? Do you remember that moment? And can you talk to everybody about that? I think that it's, that's a continued theme for me that I feel also in my adulthood that I always felt like I had this other thing, this other struggle and everything it seemed, and it's not true, but it's just how I felt, you know, and I understand, you know, what that is now, but feeling like, you know, everyone else, things were coming easy. And why was it so hard for me? And my friends always getting into companies, getting into pieces, getting into programs and, and I wasn't and always feeling, and even, and, 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 having boyfriends and getting dates and, you know, getting married or any of these things. I always felt like it was other people doing things and I was left out. Right. Yeah. I mean, that was, you know, when I, when I read that, I, I under had underlined it and I was like, wow, you know, because it, 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 my heart hurt when I read that. Like I, I felt that pain. I thought, gosh, that's a terrible place. You know, it made me just think about students in class you know you don't know or anybody it doesn't have to just be in class but you just don't know what people are going through right you just never know what they're going through and what they're bringing with them and so often with dance or showbiz acting whatever singing dancing broadway you know it's that show must go on you know you leave all that at the door and you go on out there and you give your all and perform but yet there's this life going on outside of that and real life you know real life stuff and i think mm-hmm. we become more sensitive to that or as artists can you know just meld the two you know what i mean just be like this is this is what's happening right now but i still can give a great performance but i'm a real human being who's experiencing these real things you know because we have that elevated sense of who people are in this business right and when i yeah, and i star quality right yeah I think, you know, every single person that knows me and has read my book is shocked. Oh my God, I never knew that you felt that way. I never knew you were going through those things because I hit it all. Sure. And I was an excellent performer and I got, you know, and, and as we all are as dancers trained to be. Yeah, yeah. And I think we need to, as um, teachers, as you were saying, uh, when we, that students are seeing them holistically, their whole selves. And, and, and what that is and being open to it and then, and then getting it, you know, how to get it out of them. Yeah. And I think there's such a big movement about that now. I, I mean, I, and I use that word loosely, you know, movement, but there really is for dancer mental health and, and really taking care of the whole dancer and really being aware of that. I mean, there's been so many artists who have come out and talked about their mental health or the struggles they go through. And I think it's been, it, it makes me, I do it. I have that same sort of like that, that feeling when I hear their, because they're being so uh, vulnerable when they put their, their struggles out there. But at the same time, it, it just kind of makes you be a little more, um, I don't know, caring 
about them. You know, like you want to then see people succeed more or just take care of them. At least that, that's how I feel like when I'm in the audience and I go see somebody who might have just, you know, done an expose of what they've been struggling with. I feel like I want to be that person in the audience really cheering them on, you know, holding them through that performance. You know, I, I really do. Um, it's, a, it's a fascinating thing, the, the, the whole dance world, because it and I think in the United States, um, it's a little more open to I think other countries are starting to open up to uh, dance or mental health and whatnot. Uh, but I think we really are really, um, you know, tapping into that and really, uh, I think I think heads above um, from and I say that only because of people I've been interviewing, you know, wherever I've been interviewing them from. Um, so it's interesting. It's interesting to hear. Um, I want to talk about, you talk about in the book, there was a moment you were little and your dad was bringing you and you went to Lincoln Center. I think it was after you had finished class and your dad was golfing or something. I forget what he was doing. He was doing some activity, right? And spur of the moment, um, spontaneously, you found yourself at Lincoln Center. Was it, I, I don't remember if it was a ballet or an opera. What were you, what were you there seeing? Yeah, it was the opera. So my dad had taken me and uh, it was unusual for him to take me into the Manhattan and he had taken the day off. My dad's a cardiologist and really, really busy. Yeah. Really busy. Um, when I was growing up, so he had the day off. So he did half the day he played golf and then he kept on his golf outfit and his Red Sox hat too. And it <laughs> took me into Manhattan. And after the class at Ailey, we were walking. And this is when Ailey was in their older space, yeah, right? um, which I think, where was it? On Amsterdam, I think in the 60s. It was right by Lincoln yeah. Center. Yeah. So yeah, before now it's on 55th, mm -hmm. I think. So we were just walking and uh, and I'm wearing my dance clothes, you know, and it's like the early 90s. And so I'm wearing my, you know, 90s dance clothes and he's wearing his golf outfit just to paint a picture. And it's a Friday night and there's people dressed to the nines in front of Lincoln Center. And my dad said, you know, I never been to an opera, which was shocking because he wanted to be a piano player. Yeah. Um, and he grew up in Massachusetts, um, hence the Red Sox uh, hat <laughs> and walked around the city in Manhattan. <laughs> so he said he ended up getting tickets from a scalper wow. and we went and my dad was the least spontaneous human being on earth. And for us to have done that, um, it was a pivotal moment, I think for both of us, to be honest, where it was so in the moment and um, so different from any other choice that has he yeah. had ever made as a parent. Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, there's, you know, a funny story with it that I talk about in the book where we're wearing our, you know, horrible outfits for the opera on a Friday night. <laughs> and, and someone had said, um, to us, or uh, we heard them whisper, wow, they must either be really rich or really poor to come dress to the opera like that. Yeah, yeah. And that became a joke and it became a bonding, um, between my dad and I yeah. and a really beautiful, beautiful moment. Yeah. And, and, and I love that. I really, um, that's why I picked it out too, because I can, I could sense that. And, um, you know, I don't even want to add anything else to it because I think it is, you know, you, you feel it and, and you just expressing it now, you can tell that it was um, like a real sacred time and a, and a real moment in time for, that is like encapsulated for, for you and your dad. And I, I think that was, that's really beautiful, you know, to have those, those moments. Um, let's talk about when you then started choreographing, like when you like hit the ground running and you are doing it and you're like, 
going and, and getting reviews here and there? And what was that like for you? So that was very vindicating for me. I, you know, I, when I was at Tish, I was, my choreography was definitely supported and I was able to get opportunities there um, that were super exciting for me. And then when I had uh, my dance company, I had my first New York Times review when I was 21 years old and going back to talking about parents supporting, my parents paid for that wow. season at the Merce Cunningham studio. Wow. And, you know, now I look at it, especially now that I'm a parent too, like, oh my, I can't believe they did that. Um, as going through it, I felt such shame because I felt like I didn't deserve to have this. My parents paid for it for me. Um, so I, so there was always that little bit of, again, feeling like I didn't belong or I didn't quite, you know, always feeling a little bit out. Um, so yeah, once I had my season, I had my New York Times review and I, the show, it was happening. I was making lots of dances. I was traveling all around. I had my dance company and, and it was amazing. It was a beautiful, brilliant time where I was getting paid to make dances yeah. and I was paying my dancers. I always paid my dancers mm -hmm. and it was a really, um, incredibly, it, it fed me. I was going to say, it was, I was trying to think of an eating where it just, it, I felt completely full and fed. Yeah. I mean, and when you write about it too, it brought me back to, to my days of dancing. I had danced with a, with a small modern company. And I remember too, you know, the, the choreographer of the, of the company and he's still a really good friend of mine. He was one of my mentors and just, um, you know, it reminded, I, I was seeing him in you while, while you were writing that. I was like, Oh my gosh. You know, I remember him I would follow him around, you know, all over New York, you know, doing this, doing that, helping him with this. I remember, <laughs> I remember because it's all electronic now, but I remember being in the wings when I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't on stage for a piece. I would be in the wings changing the gels, <laughs> changing the gels, right? And <laughs> doesn't know what gels are. Those, you know, that changes the color on the stage, you know, so um, and we would have contests like the, the other dancer and I would be in, you know, whoever was in stage right, stage left. We would look at each other like through the wing, you know, and we would be like, you know, we give the thumbs up and we try to do it the quickest, you know. But now <laughs> that's all electronic, right? We used to have to cut them to yeah. fit the, oh the, square, my God. the perfect squares, the perfect. Right? Yeah. And I but I, I love that. Like when I when I think of the experience that I had, I I love that because it just like you, it just it just filled out what I did and what I learned. And I was somebody who loved to learn. Like I never felt it was beneath me to do something. You know, I never felt like, oh, you know, I can't do that. <laughs> you know, even when I had my dance studio, I was always in there with doing what I needed to do. You know, of course I had people at, at once I grew, I had people who do things, but I always wanted to make sure, like I remembered who I was and where I came from, you know, and I think that's important, but, but uh, it's uh, talk about having to do all that. Cause I know you talk about your tour in Shanghai, Shanghai, am I getting that yeah. right? Yeah. And all that went into that. Tell people like all that goes into having these small little dance companies, because I, I say that too. I'm sorry. I, I, I'm going to give you a minute to talk. I, I feel like I'm talking too much. I want you to talk. Um, but that, when we when when we uh, campaign to to fund dance mm -hmm. companies, whether they're the large ones, the small ones, the little ones in between, we really need the money, like the, the because the funding for arts is just different in our country. It's just different than other countries. So we really are, you know, grassroots fundraising. <laughs> no matter what 
type of company you are. Big, well-known, small, little guy. So, so talk about all that for the listeners. Well, I think in my generation, you know, my teachers that I had in the 80s, they had dance companies and they were they were making work and it was much more, it came more easily for them because there was a National Endowment for the Arts that actually had funding. Yeah. And, and by the time, you know, in 1999, when I graduated from Tisch, there was no money for anything mm -hmm. arts, you know, that was all done. Yeah. So, you know, I had grown up with stories of, you know, when you're even in the core of New York city ballet, you've got a specific condo at the specific place and, you know, things were taken care of. And, and I didn't have any idea that the lifestyle of a dancer or choreographer was what it was. Mm -hmm. um, so with that said, you know, how do you how are you a choreographer? How do you make this happen? Which is your question is, you know, you have to apply for grants, you have to apply for performances. Um, and in those applications, there's, it requires, you know, videos, specific videos, everyone's asking for their own specific thing. Um, so it's a lot of like office, you know, work. And, um, and, and, you know, when I started out too, it was, we were actually giving the video. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't so easy. Like you just, you know, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, you know, once you have booked something, it's your job, you have to book rehearsal space. You have to pay your dancers. You have to pay your set designer and your lighting designer and your costume designer. And you have to find those people. Who are they? And, you know, part of going to a school like Tisch and going to a conservatory is amazing because you're surrounded by all of these people that are, you know, so you're working with your friends in the beginning mm -hmm. and that's great. Uh, but then your friends get, go on to bigger and better and you still have to figure out, you know, how to navigate. Yeah. So specifically like with Shanghai, um, when I got invited to be part of the expo in Shanghai, which was the world's fair, um, I had applied to a grant from the field that they had given me in the studio space and, and it sort of, it landed at the same time, which is not always the case. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes when you're doing all these applications, you may get the studio space, but you didn't get the performance. You may get the, so it doesn't always line up. Mm -hmm. um, and residencies are important, yes. you know, and that kind of brings me full circle now because I'm going to do, I'm doing a lot of um, college visits now mm -hmm. as an author, um, but I used to do them more as a choreographer and go in and make pieces. And then you would take those pieces and put it on your company. And, you know, it's all, it all, yeah. it was all happening a lot of different directions at different times. Yeah. I mean, it, it is, it's a, it's an amazing, it's an amazing art form and all the, the moving parts that go into it. And, and so, especially, you know, when you think about when you go back to COVID and when, when everything shut down for everybody. And, but again, I'm, I'm talking specifically about the arts, it, it, the layers of all the people that were out of work when everything shut down mm -hmm. was amazing. You don't realize, and I talked about this with somebody else. I can't remember who it was right now, but on the podcast, I talked about how you don't realize what goes into that, that ending piece, you know, that final piece that an audience member comes to see. There's been so much preparation that goes on before that, but your but our job is to the audience isn't supposed to know about all that, right? Unless mm -hmm. you're involved in it, we're just supposed to to give that, and that's the joy of it. You know, like you said earlier, it's it's the joy of it. I think surpasses everything for me. It's just something that um, I remember. I remember making the decision to do this because I was a double major. I was a, I was a French and political science major. I wasn't even a dance major in school. I was doing dance. I would do it because I was like, well, I don't think I'm really going to have a career in it, but I just love it. You know, 
And it was a teacher who said, they asked us, it was in a French class. They asked us what our passion was. I was just talking about this to my husband. It's funny. And I was like, I mean, I was probably like 19 years old. I don't even know, 18, 19 years old. And I was like, well, it's dance. You know, like, well, like, what kind of question is that? It's dance. And he looked at me, he said in French to me, you know, he said, well, then why aren't you doing it? Mm. And that was set for me. That was such a pivotal moment for me. It's when I changed my whole trajectory, you know, mm. and, and I don't regret it. I really, really don't because it's, it's like all the pieces then fell together, you know, and I, and all the aspects of my own journey, I really enjoy and, and have just enjoyed that whole process. And I know there's more, I don't know what that is, but I'm enjoying figuring that out. You know, can you, can you talk about that too? Cause I know right now, um, I think you had mentioned, or I read that you're, you're coaching, right? You're, you're doing some kind of coaching. Can you talk about that? Sure. I mean, I think, um, as dancers, we're chasing magic. I call it the magic, you know, and I call the magic in my book when, when I was a little girl dancing and chasing the magic as an adult, even still. And that feeling, it's just, that's, that's it. Um, so as a coach over, was, I got certified as a, a wellness and resilience coach. And I did my certification. I think it ended right around the time of COVID. So it, it what I thought I was going to be doing with my coaching and what I ended up doing were so different because all of a sudden I started working with tons of dancers, um, during COVID trying to figure out what, what to do. Um, I'm sorry. No, no, no. Are you okay? okay? Drink the water. Yep. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, everybody. It's a little break for us to take some water. Go ahead. <laughs> um, so I worked with many uh, different dancers at different levels. I worked with uh, young dancers that were just had graduated from college and they had to go back to their hometowns because they couldn't pay rent anymore in New York city wow. and you know how they were going to do that. I worked with um, professional dancers trying to figure out how they were ma mainly it was trying to find another source of income wow. and a lot of dancers having to move mm -hmm. um, besides the mental um, anguish that they were going through. Yeah. So I, I became fascinated with resilience. I'm, I'm resilience is what I'm always chasing and trying to figure out how to get more of and how to, how to find it and how to sustain it. Yeah. Um, so that it's not just bouncing back all the time. Yes. It's really how we ride the waves. Yes. Right. I like that you say that. Cause it's, it, you know, you can have a crisis or, or, and I mean, anybody, you know, we, we can have these things, but it's, things happen, you know, and sometimes things happen to some people more than they do to other people, right? <laughs> it's true. Amazing. And it is, it's like how you ride the waves. Like something you just like say, you know, you know what? I, I have a friend of mine who always says to me, she says, remember, think above the problem. Mm. And that was like the greatest advice she ever gave me. She was like, think above, she read it somewhere. I don't, I don't know where think above the problem. And so you know, when you do that, you take yourself out of the whole, like, you know, ah, things happening, what's going on? You know, the whole like shock and trauma of it all. Right. Cause it can be like, it can shut you down when something happens. But then when you think about it, like, Oh wait, you know what? I'm just going to, okay. Pity party over. <laughs> I'm going to now figure out what I'm going to do and I'm going to do it. Right. Like that's how I think, I think dancers and artists are. I really do. I, I and I say that I don't, I don't mean it to sound any way to anybody who's listening, but I, I think the more I talk to all the different dancers and artists that I do talk to on this podcast, 
I find that's the personality. That is the, it can be a little more quiet for some people. It can be loud and boisterous for other people, but it's still this, it's that same kind of, uh, you just rise above it. You know, what do you think about that? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, the lessons that I learned in my journey in my book and that I continue to learn is, you know, when we are so narrow and tunnel visioned in, in whatever it is, what kind of life we think we're going to have, what kind of dancer we think we're going to be, whatever it is, and we have one narrow idea, it really lessens our chance of achieving that goal. Yeah. Whereas if we widen our vision, it really expands what we're capable of. Yeah. And I think, you know, as a dancer, for me, I was told many times I'd never be a ballet dancer. I looked down at my own body. I, I it was, but I still kept trying to be a ballet dancer. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. until surgeries stopped or that, you know, I had, I've had so many injuries and surgeries and, yeah. and, and I think that some dancers are better than others. I, I was not good at expanding my vision. I was only good at tunnel visually, right. tunnel visioning and grit. Yeah. 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 And it, and yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just going to say that being able to pivot, being able to expand the dancers that are able to learn that early on, as much as we learn tendus and plies and everything else, you know, you're really able to achieve what you want to achieve in a, in a much larger magnitude than you would have otherwise. Yeah. I think that's such an important message. I really do. And for everyone, not even, you know, it's, it's such an important message because, you know, you take that moment to just step back and say, wait, this isn't so bad. It feels really bad at this moment. It feels really bad. But, you know, I'm still, I still woke up today, right? I still woke up today and I, let me see how I can do this today. And, and today's going to be a great day and I'm going to accomplish X, Y, Z. And I think that's so important. I, I, and I, it comes to mind, there was a, a dancer that I was just um, messaging back and forth with. And, and I had commented on a post that they had, um, that they had, had posted. And I was like, gosh. I wanted them to see like their their confidence was so much better than what they were writing about themselves at that moment. And yeah. and I and so I commented and I thought, oh, who am I to comment? Like, who am I to say? But I just wanted to because maybe that was the one thing that was going they were going to hear, you know, um, because you can, you know, just like everybody, you have those days where you are like, oh, I, I, I didn't get this, or I didn't, especially if you're working on a piece, or you're trying to get that split, or what have you, or why, like you're saying, why was everybody else getting and not me, or what have you, um, you know, because it's, that's not your time. It's not your time. Well, it may not be what you thought it was going to yeah. be, you know, like I had an amazing experience at the American Dance Festival over the summer. I always wanted to go to ADF. I always wanted to be a choreographer at ADF. And I never, it was never an opportunity that was given to me, but I got to go there with my book yeah. and I, all of a sudden have this audience and platform in a way I never would have had as a choreographer. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, and being able to really appreciate that, mm -hmm. that, you know, what is it really for you as a dancer? If it's that magic, yeah. then you chase that magic. That magic might take you to Radio City. That magic might take you to, you know, who knows where. Yeah. It's so true. It's it's really true. It, it's you know it's it's the same for me when I because I had my dance studio for twenty three years, and when I decided I had been wanting to transition from it, I didn't know what you know. I knew something in dance, but I just didn't know. It just felt you know how you know that you just know it's time. 
for, I, I felt like I had given all I could. I felt like I wasn't growing as a person and an artist. I wasn't tapping into all my potential. Um, I can say that now, like I can verbalize it now. I was just, then I would be like, well, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like I want to do something different. You know how you say that, you know, but looking back, I can actually put words to it. And, and when I, when I made the decision to, to stop doing that, um, you know, it was like, I was like asking, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Like, what are you going to do if you're not doing this? And I was, I wasn't worried about it. You know, I was like, I don't know. I'm going to figure it out. And I'm going to be really excited about figuring it out. And if I didn't do that, I wouldn't be doing this. And this has just opened up a plethora of great stuff, you know, and people I get to talk with and meet and people I've interviewed and then meet them in the city to just have a, a you know, a cup of tea or something. It's just been, it's just been really, really great. And I, I wouldn't have been able to do that if I didn't take the chance. You know, so and you're still teaching. Yeah. You're still a teacher. You know, so so I say that for for those listening, and I'm not saying for people to like you know quit your job and be you know become poor and don't you know care about your responsibilities. I'm not telling anybody that, but you know you have to sometimes if you know in your gut, you, you kind of just have to you have to do that. Um, and I know for me, I'm I'm glad I did. Are there times I miss the the students and the families yes oh my gosh I have such great memories of that but I, I know I made the right decision you know um, yeah what now I, you probably answered this already but if you can um, you know tell everybody what your you know what your message is for everyone like what your message you want people to to get not only from your book but from your life from your teaching from your coaching um, what is that I think my main message is really to dream bigger and not to dream, as I was saying before, so narrow and not to pigeonhole yourself ever. And when things don't seem to be working out in the way that you think that they should be, then widen your dream. And when you widen, like I was saying before, your chances of being able to achieve that dream will multiply. Yeah. When you stay narrow, it's not going to happen that way. Maybe it will. Yeah. But keep dreaming bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah. I, I love that. Yeah. It, it's, it's true. It's really true. Um, what did it feel like when you saw this for the first time, when you got this book in your hands, all ready to go out and for people to buy it? What was that like for you? Incredible. I mean, I, it took me, I got an agent for this book. Um, when my daughter was three weeks old wow. and she just turned 10. So wow. my book journey was so long. I had an agent, I lost an agent, I, this and that it was, a you know, it took almost 10 years wow. um, from the point where I had gotten the agent or, or written the book to having it published. Mm -hmm. So to actually have the book published mm -hmm. um, was an out of body experience, yeah. even though actually I'm thinking now that's so silly. Cause for the first time I made something that you can actually physically hold, it's not a dance, which can be yeah. an out of body experience. I understood. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but so different from having a dance, you know, a book and the publisher reminds me this all the time, a book lasts forever. You know, it's not, it doesn't have the immediacy that dance has where, you know, I'm used to, like we were saying, promoting and, you know, doing all this stuff because you have to put 
people's butts in the seats and sell those tickets and, you know, and, and then the performance is over and that's it. The reviews come in and then that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas this is a much longer journey. Yeah. Um, and I felt that for the minute that I, that I touched that book, just how this was my, like a new life. Yeah. It's amazing. Do you have a favorite part of the book? Do you have a favorite chapter or part? Oh gosh, that's a good question. Um, I do. I love the opera with dad, as you were saying that chapter, I think what's the hardest chapter for me to read, like when I do readings and um, is the second chapter about um, it's called bar mm -hmm. and it's about being at ballet class. And just, I was really pretty low, like the lowest of the low. And I think, you know, the dancers that are listening can relate to when other dancers are asking you, Oh, what are you up to lately? And what are you doing? And, you know, they're doing these great things and you're don't have anything to say. And my body hurt and it was just very painful. Yeah. And, um, I recently went back to that dance studio mm -hmm. to take a ballet class. Oh, wow. And I look back at that chapter and just seeing how much I've grown from that point. And I, even from the time I finished the book, I finished the book and I um, was maybe thinking about motherhood, but I never wanted to have kids. I never wanted to have, get married. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, my life changed so much. Yeah, which is really wonderful. You know, and, and talk about that too. You know, do your, do your children dance? Are they in the arts or no? Well, they did, you know, I have to say they did dance. The pandemic made it really mm -hmm. difficult. Um, and my daughter loves theater. She does theater performances um, and she loves singing and acting and, um, and she loves that. And I love that for her. Um, and I, you know, they used to, when I taught at their schools, they would have to take my dance class whether they wanted to or not. Yep, yep. Um, and my son, he's a great dancer. I wish he would get back into a dance class. Um, but no, my daughter's older. So my daughter is 10 okay. and my son is seven. Wait, I don't know if I lost you for a minute. Can you hear me? Well, for anybody listening, I don't know if I've lost the feed, but in case I have lost the feed, hopefully Carol, uh, Carol will get back in here in a little while. Um, I just want to, again, thank her for being a guest on Dance Talk with Joanne Carey. Uh, if, you, if you haven't read her book, you can find it everywhere. Just Google Putting My Heels Down. A memoir of having a dream and a day job. We lost the feed for a second, so I apologize to everybody, and I apologize if the the podcast is a little choppy because of that. We don't understand what's going on. Probably something in like cyber world. Um, but anyway, I just wanted to thank Kara for being a guest on Dance Talk with Joanne Carey. Um, you're welcome back anytime, and I wish you all the best of luck with everything, Kara. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Joanne, and thank you for giving us in the dance world a voice. And for you continuing to teach and root for us really means a lot. So I know you were saying that you don't have your dance school anymore, but you have a much larger audience, I'm sure, now that you continue to, to teach and to, and to champion. So thank you. Oh, thank you so much. And I, I, I want all our listeners to follow us, like us, and share, share, share. Thank you, everybody. This is Dance Talk with Joanne Carey. Thanks so much.